can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole thing since i was 12. maybe your mom told you no she said she And welcome to Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Trisha Hammer. And Mm. we are getting ready to tuck into another episode. But before we do, we want to let you know, if you're curious about our socials, you can find us on Instagram. You can even Mm. find us on Facebook. And in both cases, the handle is at Movies We Missed. Um, Jane, how are you doing today? (laughs) Honey, I'm doing swell. We love it. We love to hear it. So moving on. No, I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) How are you doing? I would love to know how you're doing. You look look great. I feel like your dreads have grown since I've last seen you. I actually did. I did a retwist. I did a retwist last night. So I think they probably do look a little bit longer. Yeah, they've gained a little length. I know it's been a long process. You really, we really want them to be longer. I think they're looking so good. Thank you. It really is. It's so funny when you like do dreads and stuff and you get caught up in that like world on social media. Like everybody's always like, it's just like, it's a journey. It's like this spiritual mm-hmm. journey. And I mean, it is, yep. it is a journey. It's like, it is a hair journey. You're aware of, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say I, all these are generalizations, but I'm more aware of my hair than I've ever been before. I'm mm-hmm. also like terrified of like losing my hair now because it's like, <laughs> which I, which I never thought about before. And which you like, like genuinely have nothing to worry about. I know, but you know, getting up there in age, a little longer in the tooth and you know, you start thinking about things like that. Um, yeah, but, but your then, hairline has been the same since I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just like, you're aware of it when you're like investing the time and the energy into something like this. And you're like, mm-hmm. all right. All right. Um, but no, I feel like I just got to the point where I almost like, it's almost a hairstyle. I feel like for a long, I've been waiting on that to happen. I also, I've been like really like neurotic cause I've been like, Oh, they're not growing. They're not growing or they're not getting thicker. That's been like a big thing for me. But mm. I can say that recently that like, I just like hats just are not fitting. So I know that they're getting bigger because it's yeah, like, yeah, they're definitely getting bigger. I've got like, two hats I just cannot wear anymore they're just out and like I tried to wear one even though I knew it was kind of tight and then it's like you start getting a headache and then you take the hat off and it goes away and you're like okay so this this is it and this hat's officially like done like I'm not wearing this hat anymore which is like a wild thing that's interesting I feel like I have a small head or something because I've never had like I've never been like this hat is too Mm. tight for me I mean, but your hair also probably isn't, your hair is not going to like really give much pushback, I have to imagine. No, it doesn't. Yeah, unless I'm like wearing a ponytail or whatever. But yeah, it's like because they're getting thicker, it's like creating like all of this new tension, which is something I never thought of. I have a big head, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always, you know, but (laughs) I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to agree so fast. What I was saying mm -hmm, to was the thing that you said right before that. But no, no, you you have a normal, you you have a normal size head. No, I have a big head. I have a big head. Like most hats, really? when you like, first of all, I, I've never in my life have I been able to fit a one size fits all. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I need like usually like the large XL. The XL is what I actually need. Large mm-hmm. XLs maybe will fit. And I've always had a big head. So now I've like compounded that. But there's a couple of like hat companies that specialize in big headed people. So mm-hmm. those I think are really going to be like <laughs> my saviors at this time in my life. And I'm, you know, shout out to all of the all the big head uh, hat companies because you think what a niche market. 
But then and you're like you, looking for hats like, and you're like, that's for me. We started Excel. We start does, at Excel over here. That's what they tell you. you. Does anybody call you Big Head? That's not one of my nicknames. I have a lot of nicknames in my family okay. even know, but I don't think mm-hmm. people understand how big my head is until like... It doesn't like, look big. It doesn't look I, big at all. But I'm like a large person, so I think that's a part mm-hmm. of it. So I think maybe it's like proportional. It's proportionate, but, yeah. That's, but yeah. I've always had difficulty finding hats, and so I'm just like very like hyper aware, and like finding out that there were niche hat companies was a little bit of like a relief. I also know it because I've done a lot of period plays where you have to wear hats mm. in them, and like whenever like a costume designer is like looking for a hat <laughs> for me it's always like they bring in like two or three like lovely like stylish you know period appropriate hats and you're like living your Edwardian fantasy and then like mm-hmm. they're like oh okay we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see and it's always the thing is when you have bigger things on your body then like you always end up with the not cute version of things so like oh, you end I know up with you're a- talking to a fat girl of course I know that I know that game but no I yes it's like it sucks it just sucks What's, all around it's something does something pop out of your mouth? What's going on? It was there? a little piece of granola. Because uh, <laughs> um, all of a sudden your mouth started making the craziest fucking okay. faces. Okay. I was like, that was not subtle. Okay, so it was sorry. a little, a little loose piece of gr- little piece of granola shook loose. Um, but yeah, when you have bigger things, like I have really mm-hmm. big feet as well, and so when I go to like the store, sometimes like I remember going to the New Balance store and being like, oh, I'm gonna get something cute, and they were like, no, you're not. Um, or they would be like, or they'll do this thing where they're like, oh, we have something almost just like that that'll that'll work for you because everything on the floor like stops at like 12. And then they'll come out with these like shoes like that my granddad, like they're like my granddad, <laughs> like the style of shoes that he used to wear. And they'll be like, oh, try these on. And it's like, I don't want to try them on because I don't, they're ugly and they don't look anything like the floor model. Nice try though. I like how you were like, oh, we got something akin to this and to that. <laughs> we got something special for you. We, got, we have the we have the stepdad of this shoe in the back. It's like, all right, like, this is not it. the one. That's not the one. No, I know. I mean, for you, it's getting much, much better now. But being like a fat woman and a plus size woman, like the only options for a very long time were like <laughs> heavily patterned tunics with like different kinds of like, like different kinds of draping and it was just like ah, that's never been my style it's very few people's style i but feel like because times fat women have to like just deal with that but i uh, things have definitely gotten much better but they're not great but i yeah. feel like someone was saying once like a bigger woman once said to me something along the lines of like like she thought that the people that were designing clothes for like plus size women mm-hmm. were like 65 year old women who like don't want like plus size women to show any parts of their body. They were like, yes. they're like, these clothes are literally designed by like someone's like mom who like has just decided what she as- thinks is cute is like yeah. cute for like younger women, but it's like very dated. It like feels like it's always feels like it's like for older women. Mm-hmm. And also, who just feels like you should have a lot of shame <laughs> and yeah, cover like, it and cover oh. it in a very aggressive floral pattern that you never you've never seen anywhere else. You're like, where are 
you finding these textiles? This is so awful. It's somebody. It's somebody in the lab making them from scratch, baby. Making them from scratch, being like, "This will be lovely." <laughs> but I think it's really time that we move on from this and do what we came here to do. What we've been promising to do for do the this intervention audience. with you. No, it is discuss the movie 1997's Con Air. Okay, let's hope. Oh, she remembered the movie. There's a couple of things we noticed earlier. Our <laughs> listeners, she was having, she was having some trouble, some some brain farts. It's, it's so. been a long day. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that might be some of that fun fun juice. I don't know. <laughs> we can't say go go anymore because Mama June, <laughs> those lawyers. They hit us with that cease and desist last time. I think it was a cease and desist is actually what it was, which felt <laughs> pointed. Yeah, yeah, it did feel pointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's trademarked, by the way, cease and desist. I just came up yeah, with it, but I feel absolutely. like it may be useful at some point. Copyright trademark. You, you guys Our can't listeners, steal it. Our listeners are literally just uh, just people that can't get to the knob to like to change it <laughs> to be like this is exhausting. I can't like, hear nobody about wants to steal anything from you two. Just yes. the fantasy you're living in, but you know what? It's our world, and we'll build it and create it and live within it, whether it is delusional or not. That part. That part. <laughs> um, Jane gave us, as she mentioned, gave us her mm. 1997's hit. <laughs> Box office critical. Mm. Uh, it got Nicky Cage out there. You know, it got him. It got him on the on the block on um, the map. I mean, to be fair, he's been around for a while. But. He's been around. It was it was a movie yeah. at the like very much like in the middle of like his ascent. Like I mean Nicolas Cage was very yes. much a name at this point. Yes. Um but I mean added to the it's another jewel in his crown. Um mm-hmm. it is the movie, the ensemble drama thriller that is Con Air. Convict Airlines for those of you who can't put it together. <laughs> I, I did not put that together by the way. Are you I never kidding? Even thought, I never thought about it, but yeah, Brandon, they like refer to Con Air several times. I never made the connection between Convict. Wow. I was so caught up in Nikki Cage's weave in this movie, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out if it was a sew-in or if this was like I don't know a frontal, what the fuck that was. A lace I front. think I think it was a sew-in because it kept his original hairline, which is spoiler alert. Pretty far back, <laughs> further back than you'd want with that that streaming long locks of hair. Yeah, it's something about the, the it's the mixture. It's the mixture of the two together. That's like, oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's accentuate it. But they really wanted to bring on the point that that he'd time been in jail. had passed. Time had passed, and he never got a haircut because we don't know why. Cameron, okay. Cameron Poe, Cameron Poe, growing out that hair until he sees baby girl. <laughs> Okay, let me do my synopsis and then we'll get straight into it. Does that sound good? It sounds like it sounds like the best possible freaking plan. It sounds like the fucking formula, doesn't it, friends? And I'd folks? love to see it. <clears throat> oh my god, never mind. Okay, no, go. Wait, say it. No, you can't do that. Just we'll, no, we'll cut I, this. We've got a new we got a new we don't need to talk we can talk about it later. It's fine. It's not about the movie at all. Okay. <laughs> we are so bad at this job. <laughs> like, do we get worse? <laughs> it's fine. I was gonna bring I was gonna bring up Beyonce. It's like doing... there's no way it 
it's not happening. Just tell me what you're going to say. I was just going to. I was going to say we didn't talk in our news section about be- news section. We're talking our news section about Beyonce doing the concert in Dubai. Oh my um, god. Oh my god. I okay. I okay. We can't talk about that now. We can't. We, we can't. No. <laughs> okay. Let me read my synopsis, please. Cameron Poe, discharged army officer from Mobile, Alabama, has made a mistake. One could argue that I'm referring to his horrendous version of a deep southern accent, so atrocious that it almost sounds like he's making fun of it, but that's not the mistake I'm talking about. On his first night back from Desert Storm, he finds his wife, local Mobile, Alabama bartender, Trisha, at her workplace. She's vivacious, blonde, and so happy that her military man is finally back home safely. She's got a bun in the oven, and from the looks of it, this little family is just getting started. But Poe is about to do something that stops it all right in its tracks. After constant harassment from a group of local rapscallions at the bar, Cameron and Trisha are cornered by them in the parking lot just as they're trying to leave. They attack and Cam defends, but he takes it too far. One of the ruffians ends up dead, sending the life of the Pose on a whole different trajectory. Cameron gets sent to the Slammer for seven to ten years. He does his time book learning and working out and making a close friend named Baby O, a nickname with an origin story we'll never know. Fast forward eight years and thank the high heavens above, Cameron Poe has been paroled. All he has to do is hop on a plane with his fellow prisoners that are getting transferred, fly to Carson City to pick up a few more prisoners who are being transferred, and then it's smooth sailing to the last stop until he deplanes, gets uncuffed, and is reunited with his wife, Trisha, and daughter, Casey, whom he's never met in person, but it's her eighth birthday. As soon as they have liftoff, trouble begins, and those plans to celebrate Casey's birthday might have to be postponed. Through a series of very calculated and violent maneuvers, the prisoners take control of the plane. But surely it won't be long before the team on the ground finds out, right? (laughs) Well, the convicts hold a gun to the pilot's head and they have him radio down that everything is just peachy. There was a small scuffle, but everything is under control now. U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin and DEA agent Duncan Malloy, who are overseeing the fight, are none the wiser. Plus, Agent Malloy is feeling extra secure since he's got an undercover DEA agent on the flight. Malloy has slipped a gun into his undercover agent's sock against Larkin's wishes. So if anything does go down, Malloy knows his guy can handle it. (laughs) Wrong. As soon as chaos ensues, the undercover agent inexplicably reveals his identity and holds a gun at the 20 most dangerous inmates you can imagine scheduled for transfer to a new supermax prison. Of course he is shot and dies immediately, posing zero threat or distraction to the plan well underway. So what exactly is the plan for this hostile takeover? Impersonate police guards when they touch down in Carson City, gathering the other dangerous criminals headed for the new Supermax prison, covertly ditch the transponders so the plane can't be tracked, take flight yet again, land at Lerner Airfield where they hop into another plane and head to a country with no extradition to the U.S. so they can sit on the beach and scratch their coconuts until the end of their days, experiencing that sweet, sweet freedom. Sounds like the perfect plan, right? 
<laughs> well, there's one teeny tiny detail they didn't think through. One they couldn't anticipate. They never could have guessed that the wrench in their plan would be none other than ultimate good guy Cameron Poe. Not just any old passenger. Cameron is the victim of his own mistake, but he's not like these guys, evil to the very core. He's an honorably discharged army officer. He can't just see bad happen and turn the other cheek. He has a duty to defend the defenseless, an oath he takes very seriously. So how will it all go down? Well, let's make sure our tray tables are securely fastened, our seat backs are in the upright position, and our shackles are locked around our hands and feet as we get ready to take flight on Con Air. Oof. It's funny because when you start reading it, then it becomes clear that like there is so many moving parts to this plot. It's a deep one, baby. It was it was a tough one to write, and I'm sorry it was a little chaotic, but I was trying to get it's like all fine. the important stuff in. And I think like I didn't even get to talk about like all of the criminals on the plane because there are so many and like there are huge amounts of stars in this movie. Yeah, no, we'll we'll break it down. Um, I will say, just so everybody knows, context-wise, Con Air was released on June second, nineteen ninety-seven. It was made on a budget of seventy-five milli, um, and at the box office, it made around two hundred twenty-four million. So uh, eat your heart out, you know. Um, let's start by talking about the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. or should I say, the elephant in the room. And that is uh, Nicolas Cage's choice to do. What I'm doing is two is better than what Nicolas it's, Cage did in the movie. It's too actually. good. If you guys have not seen this movie, I need you to at least just like look. I'm sure there's some YouTube compilation. Of course. Of, of Nicolas Cage trying to do this accent. It is comical. I mean, you can't take anything he says seriously. No. I wonder if he's ever met a person from Alabama. I mean, it seems like it. And I am from the South. And so, like, obviously, like, I I am able to do this accent fairly well. And different regions in the South have different Southern accents. But, like, this one just is not it. Because I usually, like, try and, like, give allowances for people that are, like, right. maybe doing a very specific niche sort of, like, moment. But this isn't it. This is just a crazy accent. And anybody would, like, any prison guard would be like, what the fuck's up? Like, what's going to happen <laughs> on this plane? What are you doing? Like, there's no way that people are just going to shrug. Like, who oh, keep moving. That normal man. Just yeah. talking like people talk. It's like, no, a it's a man. it's a wild accent. And it's surprising that the director wasn't like, we're just going to scrap it. Because it's well, like, it distracts. He, so I read that he like went and stayed in Mobile, Alabama. And came for, back with this. <laughs> to like study the accent. And it was no, like, no, no. what were you doing down there? What the fuck were you doing? Hanging out, like hanging out at Honky Tonks and like. I mean, getting it in probably because it's like, it makes no sense. Also, one of the first laughs of the movie is when he's in court after, you know, he has to basically mollywop those dudes um, who are coming after him, the, which gets him locked up in jail, even though it's clearly a case of self-defense and he's white. So it'd been fine. I but know, the judge says he's, he's getting a harsher penalty because, and I quote, you are, your body is a deadly weapon. <laughs> Nick Cage was like, write that into the script. Put that oh, in. I'm Put sure. That in. There's so many of these lines. I feel like Nick Cage is like, you know what you should say? And people are just like, 
Don't upset the star. Okay. Well, so many of Nick Cage's lines in this movie are like they—they're like they're like pull quotes. Like nobody speaks like that, and it's his character being like, "Well, I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles, or whatever it is." I but said I like, felt like he was trying to have a Forrest Gump moment. I felt like he was yes. trying to capitalize on the success of Forrest Gump. I was like, <laughs> somebody is making a decision in this movie. I was waiting for him to say. And I ran. <laughs> I named that book the most beautiful name in the whole wide world. <laughs> Jenny. Boys, why you always gotta follow me everywhere? Because <laughs> you're my girl, Jenny. <laughs> Iconic. Well, speaking of Forrest Gump. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> baby yeah. O, the aforementioned Baby O. I thought who... you were gonna say the African American. <laughs> <laughs> And not really relevant in this moment, but the aforementioned baby is like Matelty Williamson, who gave who gave us the one of the one of the most iconic roles, I'd say, in, in cinema, Bubba Gump. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've never wonder- done that shrimp monologue for an audition, and maybe that's a maybe that's a missed opportunity a missed on my opportunity, part. Missed opportunity, yeah. Does he own Bubba Gump shrimp? Because he should. He, no, I don't think he does, but man, wouldn't that be amazing? You know what? I Bubba wish Gump that was shrimp true. Is not good food. And I'm going to say it here. Oh, oh, you've had it before. I went on they have one at Navy Pier and like Tara's parents were in town and we went there to eat and it was not good. I mean, I didn't expect it to be good. We were at Navy Pier. It's like a fucking carnival. But like it was like I you know some chain food is like fine, but this was like not even fine. It was like pretty bad. The, uh, what like did you get food poisoning or anything? No, it just didn't taste good. And I got shrimp. Oh, that, that that's there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse. I remember one time when I was growing up. I'm sorry, another tangent. I remember one time when I was growing up. Brandon, do you my, know what this podcast is? It's iconic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know we're legendary for um for our um dogged and determined um journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at um <laughs> I was at Burger King <laughs> one time with my grandmother. And we like got up to, we we're like ordering like burgers at Burger King. And I remember we, we were like standing in the thing. I was a kid. And the guy behind the counter was like, Oh, I'm sorry. We're out of like, we're out of buns. What? And my gr- <laughs> he was like, We're out of like hamburger buns. And I remember my, I don't know why this has stuck with me my whole life. And my grandmother said, So what y'all doing back there then? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest fucking response to that. <laughs> You could ever imagine. <laughs> it was just like. What y'all doing back there? there every goddamn. It's like I mean, yeah, like close up, like it's time to pack it in. It's time to call it a day and just charge it to the game. Because like, do you do anything besides fries that don't go in a bun? Oh my god. I love her so much. She like <laughs> She's such a fucking true queen. And they didn't have an answer for her either. And she was just like, okay. And we left. But I just remember that moment because it was like, yeah, that's the question. That's a very, very fair question. 
<laughs> it's like it's just a bunch of people looking at each other then if that's the case um but yeah that was what was giving me when you said that the bubba come shrimp company was not the shrimp weren't giving <laughs> no the shrimp no. weren't gumping apparently they were gumping they weren't also, giving it's so funny that we call him bubba gump like he was married to forrest I know, because that's but not. But everybody his name. says it. Everybody says Bubba, or is like I feel like everybody calls him Bubba Gump. Is that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel like everybody calls him that, and it's like why? Uh, that's a really good point. That's absolutely <laughs> not his name. He is not married to nor a sibling of. <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it's like um maybe it's like well, how everybody calls because the- their company in the the fishery that they started or whatever was called bubba grump bubba gump shrimp factory there we go it? that's okay, what it is that's what it that's was what, okay what it was. okay i was gonna say is it like uh but like Fra- we've like colloquially started to call him bubba gump oh for sure and people will literally just be like oh if somebody said oh yeah like he played bubba gump you you wouldn't even think twice you'd be like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i didn't i think i said it a few times and i was like yeah that's right that makes sense that's him but he's in this movie and he plays, so he goes along the ride on the plane with Cameron Poe. He's getting transferred, but like he's like a softy, nice guy, but he still has like a bunch of time on his um, sentence. And I don't I really know. We I don't think we find out what he did to get in there, do we? No, we don't. I mean, yeah. I maybe and maybe he's just in there for like I don't know being being uh being a too criminal, good of a guy being being a criminal stereotype like <laughs> because this movie as you will discover loves the stereotypes and yes loves they cast the a black man whose kryptonite is quite literally diabetes um <laughs> I was like, I I remember like that he like was not well on the plane, but I and so couldn't help even though he was another nice guy, but I couldn't remember what it was. And then Yeah. It, <laughs> it was like yeah. he couldn't get his insulin and I was like, okay. <laughs> That's like his story. And it's like it's like not only is he diabetic, but he is like he's the most he's the most diabetic person. He like that's ever is lived. about to go into shock after like two hours of not having insulin, which is like a huge plot point. Like this is a huge plot point that yes. he is going to go into di- that he's going to go into like a diabetic coma potentially because he can't get his diabetes once the inmates um what what's the word I'm looking for hijack the plane oh and yeah. Like, it's but also what I can't seem to understand when I was watching this movie was like, why didn't they give him his insulin before he got on the plane? If it, like, why are we dancing on the Rangers edge like this? Why I don't did we know. like? Well, we'll I, do it in I, the air. Well, to play, it's, but to play the other side of that, it's like it's the American prison system. They don't give a shit. For sure, no, that's a really good yeah. point. But it's just like I don't like if it was this pressing because the moment they get on the plane, he's like, I got to get my insulin within the next hour. <laughs> And it's like, why didn't we or, do this at base when we were on the ground? I know. Why didn't we like, wait? When we weren't flying in a metal fucking bird in the sky, like this oh would have been a great God. time. It just, it's just wild. And then also, isn't the other issue that they don't have like insulin needles? Yeah. So because they like, there's the whole, so how it happens is Dave Chappelle's character, he plays pinball and he like lights his like, um, seatmate on fire to cause a distraction. And it starts this whole like rough and tumble. They're fighting the guards and they're overtaking the guards and killing some people and whatever. And they eventually take over and win, but they've smashed up a bunch of stuff, including the first aid kit, which means there are no syringes on 
on, on board. It's also like, that is, you're such a good point. It's like you're giving a person a fucking shot on an airplane when you don't have to. Like you didn't That's have the thing. to. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to get, I don't want to get, a, well, I don't want to get any needles put in me, but I don't want to get a needle put in me in the air in turbulence either. It just, right, it doesn't. Exactly. It seems also, like. like the worst also, case I mean, was scenario. the plan for like one of the guards to administer it while he's like handcuffed? Is yeah, he gonna like I think so. and are the guards trained in giving insulin? Like do guards know how to give injections? Is that a thing? I don't know. I know they know how to give beatings, but yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I know they I know sure how to be be shady and um, break the rules mm. and violate inmates, but I didn't. I don't know if they know how to. I don't know if this is a part of the training. Medical though. stuff. Yeah, I don't know exactly. If helping, if helping and providing aid is a part of the training. No, I, 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 it doesn't appear to be <laughs> from what I shout hear. out, shout out to all our prison guards out there listening. <laughs> no, um, like get a new job, be less horrible, <laughs> but keep listening though. Yeah. But keep listening. We love you. If you're look, I'm going to say this now, if you're a prison guard and you're listening to this podcast and you're a long time listener, you know where the fuck we stand. So don't act brand new when we bring up your profession and tell you that it might be a little fucked up. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> if you're angry about it, then, you know, just be like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so instantly they want to they want us to understand who everybody is and this also this plane has like seats where like inmates are inmates are in handcuffs in in seats on the plane but then they also mm-hmm. have these cages that are built in to the plane yeah, as for the, well like, super dangerous people that's how you know you know those are the ones that are like it's like we can't trust you to we can't trust you to be handcuffed in a seat we got we got other plans for you yeah, we're going to cage you like a fucking animal, which I guess and, is prison. <laughs> and also Cameron Poe is multiple times on this plane, like <laughs> mentions the fact that it's his daughter's birthday. Like anybody gives a shit. He like is telling everybody who listens. I wanted to be like, Cameron, know your audience. Like these are prisoners who are going to another prison who don't have the freedom that you're about to experience and probably are not excited about your eight year old daughter's birthday and don't care and don't care about your parole and that you're meeting her for the first time. And then prison guards who don't respect you and her bad people. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and also later on in the movie, he's, he's doing the old, the old uh, moonwalk trying to, trying to, back out of this whole thing um because at a certain point in the movie when they make their first landing because the plane is supposed to have a drop-off where they drop off several passengers in carson city and then they pick up several passengers and this is sort of like a big action point in the movie because at this point the prisoners have hijacked the plane and also they they hijacked the plane by way of um i don't know turf and training i guess dave chappelle um he sort of like oh turf in training i was like turf uh, i thought you were talking about like some sort of tactic i was like what's turf in training but turf in training which yeah. for those who trans you guys, exclusionary radical feminists um yes. out there um um fuck off <laughs> yeah yeah we don't stand we don't stand um no. we actually actively oppose um yeah. <laughs> but you know our boy Chappelle, who's Cool. I don't know. Just taking a weird, taking, taking a, a weird, weird path. turn. It's upsetting. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, it. But Dave Chappelle, you know, is in this movie and <laughs> plays the part of pinball. And Dave mentioned that he was a crackhead, and I was like, "Is that mentioned in the movie?" And Dave was like, "Yeah, it's like hinted at that. Like that, that's what he was in jail for. Was like potentially like either selling uh, or doing crack." Okay. Um, and he he sort of is the one who, <laughs> lack of a better term, is a fire starter. Um, 
there's a there's like this wild scene where he pulls this I'm I, some sort of like flammable like it's a, it's this liquid in this little tiny plastic vial. There's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a like a piece of like thread that is hanging in that is uh, in his throat that he starts gently tugging at, and he pulls up this like tiny little container. Of it's this like flam- a, this stuff is like filled in a condom, and he pulls it out of his throat. Is that a condom? Is that what it is? Yes, baby. How else do you think he did it? Okay. I didn't know it was a condom, baby. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know, I didn't I know what the plastic container was. I assume it's a condom. Was. It's a latex, like... Jane, like... have you ever seen a condom before? Real question. <laughs> of course I've seen a condom, Brandon. I've worn one many times. Nice. <laughs> now we get the nitty gritty. When I ask you these questions while breathing heavily into the phone at two in the morning... It's hanging up. Mum's the word, but on the podcast, you're willing to talk about it. Um, so what a weird, what a specific, like dirty, like not even a dirty phone call. Hey, you know what a condom looks like? It's like what? It's like what? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> why are you, you calling me? You remember when Dave Chappelle pulled that condom out of his mouth and called him? That really did it I for think, me. I think it's actually it's important to specify that he pulls it out of his throat. Yes, he pulls it out of his throat, and mm-hmm. then he just and then he turns to the guy next to him, and he's basically like, "Sorry in advance." And then he just lights the guy a flame. He has it's it's a vial of liquid and two matches and two matches that he's got in his hands on, and he lights his guy up, and that's what sort of sets the every like the chaos of the of the plane, which allows him to open up the prison cell of as he's called in the movie Cyrus the virus. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, Ving Rhames is in this movie as as well, mm-hmm. um, and both of them are let out of their their cages. And so that's then- Cyrus the Virus, played by John Malkovich, and Ving Rhames plays Black Diamond, and they're sort of the ring leaders of this whole thing. And once they're both released. Um, from their um, from the cages, then they sort of overtake the guards, chain them up, and then they begin the process of essentially switching out prisoners for guards. They have them switch clothing. Some of the inmates are now dressed as guards, and then when they make the the landing that was the scheduled landing in Carson City, they are basically going to. They have everyone's heads are everyone's gagged. All the prisoners that they're dropping off, who are in some cases. In some cases, inmates, in some cases, guards that they have put into prisoners' uniforms, and they've they've covered their mouths with tape, and then they have these hoods that they put on prisoners who are misbehaving by their by their calculations um and john malkovich's character cyrus the virus refers to them as spitters and shitters which is um a lovely visual it's a yeah it's like it's a something that sometimes i've seen like in crime shows and things that they put on prisoners who are who are like spitting on people are like behaving you know otherwise like untoward in some way they put these sort of like hoods over their heads which kind of obscure your sight lines of them as well so you can't really see who's under the hood so mm-hmm. they change them out they they take off their wristbands they put them on the, they switch wristbands out they put the wristbands for the prisoners with the barcodes on them so that they're scannable onto the um onto the guards and onto the prisoners that volunteer to get off the plane at this stop and that's sort of what sets the motion. We get a couple of new prisoners and um I did want to give you a little bit of I guess like a light sort of quiz i guess there is Ooh, a, okay yeah, it's, interesting uh, it's, it's yeah it's not it's not a quiz quiz i pushed it with quiz um but there is an inmate on this plane hmm. that comes onto the plane 
specifically at this drop-off point in the prison. When they when they do the drop-off, this prisoner gets on the plane. Mm-hmm. This prisoner is a is a is an actor who was in another movie that we did. And I was watching this movie and I was like, that person looks familiar. And I couldn't put my finger on why they looked so familiar to me. But I was like trying to figure out who they were. And I did. Okay. Okay. So do you want me to give you... Okay, give me a hint. Can you tell okay, me? I, what I can tell movie you who the was. character was in the movie, and then you can guess if you can figure out where we where what other movie here okay. movies we missed that we have reviewed that this person was in. Okay. Okay. This character, this actor played the role of Sindino. Do you remember Sindino? I do remember Sindino, and I do know that I'd seen I'd been like, oh, I've seen that person somewhere, but I just figured it was um was he and I like it like that? Yes. Okay, 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 but I can't remember who he played and I like it like that. He played Alexis. <gasps> Lauren Velez's character's sister. Oh, um, yeah. who's a trans woman in oh the movie. Oh my god. Okay, okay. I know. And I that's okay. I was like I know I can like picture his face in that movie but not the context okay that's so oh my god amazing if you haven't gone and listened to i like it like that great episode we did it a while ago but it's such a good movie you guys should check it out you really should it was a really fabulous episode um and the actor is um jesse borrego mm-hmm. and um they're in this movie and then they also play the role of alexis um the sister of the main character in um i like it like that um the pronouns are he um he plays the role of alexis in um i like it like that and this was Mm -hmm. the first time seeing him in something after that um and i was watching it and i was like man that actor looks familiar but i didn't know why and then i looked and then i looked them up and i was like oh my god yes Um, and jesse gives a really lovely performance and i like it like that it's a performance that i actually like I, it really sticks with you. And so it was mm-hmm. interesting seeing this and then thinking this is like a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, it's such a different part. So like. Such a different part. And I think like I was looking at the actor Jesse in this in Con Air and thinking, I know I recognize that person, but I probably just have seen him in a lot of stuff in the 90s, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he's just like a character actor that I've seen in a bunch of places. So I didn't like put it together. But that's yeah, that's hilarious. But so, like, the plane, like, there's all of this drama, obviously, on on the plane. And then Cameron is initially volunteers to be one of the inmates to get off of the plane and, you know, have the bag put over his head. And then he sees the condition of... Um, of his of his friend who's on baby the plane, o. baby O, and he decides he can't leave because if and he baby leaves, baby O is currently in the throes of insulin withdrawal. He yes. can barely sit up. He's sweating. He's you know speaking the in tongues. Is, Not really, but reason, he's going through it. But the reason also why I brought why I brought it up was because it's like baby O goes downhill so fast. Like they've been like, it's it's honestly before they land in Carson city, baby O is already in a bad way. And it's like, it, that was just so quick. Like it should, like it, what feels like whatever the scheduled time was for you to get the insulin was already too late. Like 
for you to be in this type of like condition this quickly you need to be hospitalized like well, i feel like there's it's really intense all the more reason why i was like i don't understand why this and the only thing i could think of is that like i mean this is an imagined scenario but like maybe it's like a situation where like you know it took longer than it was supposed to take to get the prisoners onto the plane and then getting everybody situated and then you know a couple hours go by without you realizing it and that kind of a thing but it is like very much like oh my goodness like it feels like we were already going to be kind of kind of close if everything happened according to plan Mm -hmm. um but yeah this happens and then cameron poe you know all of a sudden changes his mind after he volunteers to get off the plane and says he wants to see this thing through. And then he like lies about the fact that like, he says he's got 15 more years, but it's like, girl, you were just blabbing about how you couldn't (laughs) wait to get home to your little girl and you wouldn't shut up about it. You're talking your damn head off all to anybody who could hear you. It's like, you're in a closed place. Like people can hear you talking and everybody recognizes you because of that lace front. So it's just like, What's the boy with the lace front talking about over there? And, you know, we find it also, also when he's getting, one of the things he says to the female guard who ends up kind of becoming like, I, I won't say a main character, but she's in the ensemble. Um, There's, yeah. She's like, she's well, the, the female guard. What are you saying? Sorry, I was just going to say the whole thing about the female guard is that she's the only woman on plane, on the plane. And there is this like serial, like rapist played by, um, uh, Danny Trejo and his name is like Johnny 23 because he's raped 23 women. It's so Oh, I thought it was because up. he killed. Because uh, he killed 23 no, people. No, no. All of oh. those hearts on his his heart tattoos of all the women he's raped. It's very Oof. fucked up. And I'm like, is that like uh, is that something that like people who, uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there are serial rapists who are very proud of that fact and they're like you know, spreading it all around the prison, but like Ugh. he was like so disgusting and like, uh, like basically trying to get at her. And one of Poe's main objectives as well was to like keep her safe from, you know. At, at this point, in the once the plane's been taken over, she is now like imprisoned on the plane and handcuffed on the plane. So right. She's even more vulnerable. Um, guard, uh, Rachel, Rachel Tisotin, Tisotin, Tikotin, T I C O T I N. That's um, right. that's oh. the name of the actress, and she plays the role of guard Sally Bishop. And so guard Bishop is like, is like handcuffed on this plane, basically at the mercy of all of these men, really. And it's it's so like these are two really vulnerable people. And so Cameron decides to stay on the plane. But earlier, when he first meets her, as she's sort of like doing the roll call, so to speak, before the plane takes off and before everything happens, she's sort of like going through checking everybody's names, and then she's like, "We're about to take off," and then Cameron says. Well, I mean, as long as I make it home, as long as I make it home, it makes no never mind to me. And it's just like, <laughs> shut it's up. Like, like, <laughs> it's like you were even giving it more because it's so yeah. flat the way he delivers it. He's like, as long as I make it home, it makes no ma- never mind to me. Like, there's no emotion by anything he says. Like, there's this scene, like, when he's in the prison, it's like this prison montage, and he's like reading back and forth his letters from from his wife and his daughter, and it couldn't be more flat. It's like he's reading the phone book, but it's like, I miss you so much. I can't believe I'm here and you're there and you're my baby girl and you're growing up. It's so sad. I can't wait to get home and be with you and give you this bunny. 
Anyways, see you there. It's just wild. Yeah, it is. It, it just it makes it makes no sense. But he's like, you know, he's he's very altruistic and like he cares about everybody. But like, it's like they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with him. But like, also the character of Mo- Monica Potter, the actress, plays his wife. And like, there's something about like. Monica Potter in like so many roles. I feel like there were so many roles in the '90s that like Monica Potter played, and it's just like they don't know what to do with her. Like I, like, I don't know what to do with her. Sometimes I feel like like well, the best the best thing I've seen Monica Potter, and I will say Monica Potter does a lovely job on the television show uh, Parenthood. It's an extremely emotionally manipulative show. Not as bad as This Is Us, but she does a really good job on the show. But like. <laughs> That's one of the best uses of her I've seen. And obviously that's a series. So you get to sort of have these colors and these valleys. But there's so many movies from the 90s that Monica Potter's in. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's who plays that part. Because like 100 percent. Because so when, this, flat. when we were rewatching this movie, we were like, who plays the wife? Oh, right, right. Monica Potter. And let me tell you, they do not know what to do with Monica Potter. So they don't do anything with her. She doesn't. Mm-mm. I think she maybe has like two lines in this entire movie. And all I can say is I hope she gets paid well. I hope she got paid really well for this movie because I know the rest of them did. I also, mean, it's funny because john malkovich has said many times like he's embarrassed about this movie and doesn't think it's a good movie but and people ask him like why did he do this movie and he's like money money is the reason I mean, why john cusack said the same thing he said i yeah. hated this movie he said i just did it for the money there also was like an interview with like he, they were on, like graham norton it was like him and samuel jackson did you hear about this and like yeah, yeah, yeah. samuel and like uh graham norton like made a comment like oh the two of you like two big actors you've never been in a movie together though and then john malkovich was i mean and sam jackson was like well i mean you know john you mostly do like really serious movies though and then he was like no uh-uh. i was in con air and if that's serious, <laughs> you know, then I'm goes, an astronaut. <laughs> he goes, well, I do dumb movies. You do really smart movies. And John Malkovich goes, oh, I was in Con Air. I do dumb If If that's a smart movie, then I'm an astronaut. Which it's I think so is funny. such a funny exchange. And like, it's, John Malkovich is so... Actually, John Malkovich is great in this movie, of course, as Cyrus. Yeah. Like, give me a movie that John Malkovich doesn't absolutely fucking shine in. I, I don't... It doesn't exist to me. It also like just gives the movie like a legitimacy having him present as like one hundred percent. And then yeah. hearing that like other actors who auditioned for this movie, like they're like apparently Mickey Rourke auditioned for the movie, and which I thought was really interesting, and brought like a switchblade into the audition, like which apparently they really they like they liked. <laughs> they thought it was like an that it brought like an air so of danger. Risky. Well, I guess not for a white guy, but like anybody else, it'd be like, oh my god, call the fucking cops! This person's gonna kill me. I would yeah. not. I would not take a risk on a switchblade in an audition. Also, I don't want to see Mickey Rourke like. I don't see wielding a switchblade. I don't want to see Mickey Rourke. Oof. <laughs> That was um, so bitchy. I don't have anything against Mickey Rourke, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, you I said just, what you said. One of I our finest actors. In, I just went in for the joke, but Mickey, I wish you the best, honestly. Academy Award nominated actor. Mm-hmm. Um, adored. Mm-hmm. Adored by uh-huh. fans um, mm-hmm. and friends alike. So shame on you. Yeah, he has some good performances out there, I'm sure. Okay. You're giving a pretty good one right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, also the co- the pilots in this movie, they have like, a live like there's this funny scene when the plane's first being taken over and the two pilots are like, all, they're, they're like, I mean, they're in the cockpit doing their job, but mm-hmm. then they hear like a little bit of ruckus. And then the pilot turns to his co-pilot and he says, go check it out. And oh, take the gun with you. 
And so he sends this. So the pilot goes out with the gun in his hand. That he just pulls out. So stupid. It's like, what are we doing? Also, you couldn't have paid me. You Not- couldn't have made. The thing is, I wrote that. I wrote this note too because I said the second the the co-pilot said, "Why don't you go check it out and take the gun?" I said, "We'll stay here. We'll lock the door and we'll let whatever plays out <laughs> behind us <laughs> play out. When we land, we'll see what kind of chaos is." Baby, ensue, I'm calling. <laughs> I'm calling ground control to Major Tom. We're landing this plane. <laughs> I am opening the door to nobody. No, 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 no. Do not do that. And this is like the same energy as like the undercover DE agent who's supposed to be there, like listening to somebody about like a drug. It's like whatever. Someone's talking about a drug drop or whatever. And he's there and he has like. Uh, he smuggled in a gun in his sock. And once he finds out that things are going crazy. He doesn't like do actually what Cameron Poe is doing, which is like try to fit in and like help where you can and play the long game. He holds another prisoner in his hand and points the gun at, you know, 20 other prisoners and is like, I'm a DEA agent, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, welcome to the fastest fucking way to get you and many other people killed. Like, where is your training now? I have never been in the DEA, nor have I had any training, but even I know that's fucking stupid. You say you've never been in a DEA? <laughs> in DEA training. Oh, I thought you like in an officer. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I've never been inside a DEA agent that I'm aware oof, of. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, very that. It's like, it's like, it doesn't make sense. And like the guard like plays his hand so quickly and for no reason, because it's like whatever, no whatever's happening is happening. And you actually are in like the best possible position you are in. You, you could be in to like orchestrate like, a, you know, a release of some sort or like getting some sort of control, like by ingratiating yourself to these inmates and getting mm-hmm. to, uh, I mean, look, if it was me, I'd be trying to get off this plane because I would see that this was, I know, there's no way else out. And it's also, like he's, but also not a, one of the facts that we didn't mention. The DEA agent also has a fucking recording device on him. So he has a whole thing recorded, which is like all this evidence for later that like they discover on him and destroy. And it's like, that could have been so helpful. Full, you know but also like, i don't completely why does he have that big ass recording device on him? Is, it is when i tell you guys it is like the size of like you know in old movies and they're like oh let's watch our old home movies and they bring out that they put a huge like um white sheet on the wall and bring out that huge projector with those huge wheels of film like he's got like a slightly smaller version of that in his pocket and i'm like is it it's 1997 did we not have one of those like i don't know give him a casio recorder like this is too much it's too much and it's like old-timey like recording film it's like it makes no sense it's also like it's like were you recording audio or were you going to try and get some visuals because it it doesn't make sense this is like a super eight camera that you got it was too much and it was like y'all really thought y'all were gonna get all this tea from this airplane where he's supposed to be like an inmate also a also, loud h- airplane f- right exactly like in the, the sound sky. levels this, no this fucking isn't a way. nice plane by the way and there's little to no it seems like insulation in the wall so it's like you're not going to get anything back anyway but just like just humming any information because nobody's going to even if he did get close <laughs> enough to an inmate to like get some sort of tea that person's not going to be screaming 
their confessions. So it's right. like this isn't this isn't the environment that is conducive to you gaining information. You'd be better off like getting like getting him into one of the prisons and having him infiltrate that way the than having game. him than yeah. having him try and get some information on this quick like this quick little popover flight yeah. that you think he's going to come back with like answers to where we can find the body of Jimmy Hoffa. It's just it's not adding up. It's like here goes this gun. And here goes the largest recording, you know, and maybe it was a symbolic thing. Maybe they were like, this is where we got the first, like, you know, we, this is where we got the first information from like the Leopold brothers was on this recording. <laughs> so we're going to have you use it too, just to commemorate. I feel like that's not a great move um, strategically, but I don't know. You know, I've never, well, I, like we I do said, know because we watched well, we it all roll know. out. So we do we know because he is, he was one of the first to go, he baby. He was killed. <laughs> Somebody was trying to be the hero. Somebody was trying to was trying to sort of rise to the top with the cream. But it's almost like it was what it was almost like what a baby would do. Like yeah, it, like, it, it, was, it was just like out of options. Like d- d- like a like a an like, eleven eleven had more options though. No, like <laughs> chief among them, shut the fuck up and wait to see what happens. Right, baby. Like, that would have been me. <laughs> that it would have been me too. I first of all, I would have done whatever I needed. Once to I do. saw who was in once I saw who was in charge, I would have been in the corner. I would have been like, Cyrus, you a wild one. <laughs> whatever you need, Cyrus. <laughs> hey Cy, How, what y'all got going on? Because I, I, I also would have seen this. Well, I'm not a good flyer anyway. Yeah. Which doesn't come up. Nobody in this flight talks. They don't get to the. They don't get to the nitty gritty. We don't hear about anybody's flight phobia. But I can tell you that I would have been getting off this bad boy in Carson City. Of course you would. I would have been slipping you off. Would have been throwing bows. As the as that's the, actually the thing say. that I forgot to mention earlier. The whole thing that happens with Cameron Poe happens because him and Baby O decide to both get off and to pretend to be inmates, but they're not expecting a black inmate. So. Uh-huh. That's why, so they so say that Baby, Baby O, o can't, can't get, off. get off. And so that's mm-hmm. what makes Cameron change his mind about getting off to stay with Baby O. And it's like, I would have been slipping out regardless. <laughs> when, every, when in the hullabaloo of people getting off the plane, I would have been right there been with like, them. Best of luck, Baby O. I hope, I hope the I would have been like, Baby. I would have been like, Baby, you better figure it out. If you have to pierce your skin and pour that insulin through and hope some of it reaches where it's supposed to reach, I'd be like, <laughs> But I tell you what, I tell you I'm going to honor you. I tell you I'm going to tell your story because somebody has to tell the story of Baby O. And this grip, this grip that this BDs has on you, I am going to go fucking forward. And I'm, there's nowhere I'm going to go where somebody's going to be wondering, who's Baby O? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna declare it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell your story. I'm gonna make tons and tons of money just for you, just like Forrest Gump did. Uh huh. With that shrimp uh-huh. company, exactly. You know, exactly. Absolutely. Your name will not be that. in vain. In fact, your name will be <laughs> making every dime it can for me when I tell my story and when I sell it. Oh, because all of a sudden you and Baby O are best friends in the story. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. People love people love when they like when they had some sort of like like slight like adjacency to like a person who's now uh, who's now like a news point. It's like that's what you were talking about earlier. I bet you anything George Santos is well, I was gonna say college roommate, but that didn't happen. So yeah. one of his one of his neighbors <laughs> from the nineties is gonna come forward and be like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm the one who I'm the one who helped him. He wanted to go he wanted to get a, a, a brunette. He wanted to get a, a ginger wig and I talked to him another brunette moment. <laughs> That was me, and it's it's like he didn't even know you, but okay, you saw it's him all. from across the bar, and that's enough. <laughs> you know, you as much about him as we, as we do, which yep. is enough. 
<laughs> which is enough. Okay. Well, it's like it's like it's interesting because I have some adjacency to Ilaria Baldwin. For those of you who don't again. know, <laughs> we, I don't know how how could you not? <laughs> for those of you who don't know, we went to high school together, but we were not friends. We were not close. Like I like knew her. We were friendly. Whatever you know, like. I had nothing. I have nothing against her other than the fact that, like, I know she's performing a character <laughs> and usurping a culture that isn't her own, and that's sort of shitty. But I like, you know, it, now because I do know her, like, I get so, uh, so much information about her, and like, so, uh, and people who like, I don't even really know very well, like reach out to me and like send me things about her, which actually I think is kind of fun because I'm like this. I'll never get over the character she's playing. But Jane, you're the one who taught her how to say cucumber, didn't you? (laughs) Pepino. Pepino. Absolutely. Jane knows her. When's that book coming out, Jane? (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, I am also selling the book. It's called Hilaria y yo. And it's about our journey um, from Spain to the United States. Together. (laughs) together yeah 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 spanish mm-hmm. woman and a jewish and a jewish we, woman's tell <laughs> all the things we learned from her abuelita in the old country um you know um a bunch of old spanish cooking recipes that we know from just from memory from, from the website yeah from um just from smelling you know um the oh, kitchen just the scent in, just the scent lead you in espana where we both grew up um so this yeah really excited to merging of cultures you guys <laughs> should make some sort of like um what would that be like some sort of like cuisine that you merge mm-hmm. together your identities and you make something like mm-hmm. what would that be like like a like a like a matzah taco Okay, well, first of all, taco is not tacos are not from Spain. Oh, okay, my bad. Like a like a matzo paella. paella. I was th- I was thinking like a, like a, a a brisket paella. You know, like a like a a Jewish that brisket. Sounds lit. I would eat the shit out. Of that. Ooh, brisket like a slow cooked brisket paella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get your girl on the phone. Stop playing. Mm-hmm. Hilaria. So yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So, like, oh, also, okay, so you brought her up. And so, isn't it, okay, do you think it's wild what's going on with Alec Baldwin? Oh, that he's getting charged for manslaughter? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't really, to be honest, I don't know the details of, like, what happened at all. So, like, I haven't That's even never read an you before, article. Though. No, of course not. For putting an opinion, of course not. That's not. Um, I, <laughs> I truly don't know. So, like, I've never read an article. I saw like a quick, like, I saw a, just a quick blurb, and they said something to the effect of like it was his job to like, like, as a person who is going to be wielding a weapon, like he should have like double checked the weapon. Well, you're an I- actor playing a role, and like you don't necessarily like have access to the weapon before you take it like what is like isn't that the whole point of having like a weapons expert and like a safety person on what set? is their like, page what is their paycheck for then yeah exactly like why would it be in the actor i i i do not understand why it would if, be the if, actor's that responsibility. Is, if that is what this is hinging on then i think that's kind of wild just because as an yeah, actor i think about all the times that like i have had to depend on an expert 
because it's like as an mm-hmm. actor you're managing so many things as w- like your character you think your costume makeup blocking there's so many things that go into being an actor that it's like i i would never think if i was an actor if i was a day player on like chicago pd and yeah. somebody and, and, a, and a weapons expert handed me a gun me as a person who is ignorant of like weapons i wouldn't think like Oh, let me open this up to make sure there's no live rounds in here. I w- First of all, I would never think there are live rounds in here because this is a fucking movie set. Like, why are we using live rounds? First of all, yeah. I, Didn't yeah, something I like mean, this happen with Brandon Lee and the Crow as well? He, right? Yeah, he was like died. I think again, I don't know either story very well. I do not know the details of this story, so I'm not sure. Maybe there's other things involved. But yeah, there may be just, more things. Just like looking in from not knowing like very much about the story, like it seems like a wild precedent to set that this should be on the actor. Um, but yeah, you know, so who knows? We'll, who knows? We'll we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I guess in, yeah. in um in the in the courts. And speaking of legalities, we're we're back mm-hmm. here. We get some really mm-hmm. great scenes between um Cole Meany playing the role of Agent Duncan Malloy mm-hmm. and um the icon Jane's um. I guess like childhood crush, John Cusack playing the role of mm. agent Vince Larkin. And we see the two of them going at it because they've mm-hmm. got, they've got different concerns. And Cole Meany is the, is the, he's the person who made the decision to give his undercover agent a gun after he was specifically and emphatically told not to do so. He still, <laughs> he said, gave, you cannot get on the plane with a gun. You're not getting on my plane with a gun. You're not getting on with a gun. And Cole Meany, or sorry, Duncan, who's such a yeah. fucking dickhead in this whole movie. His character is awful. Stuffs yeah. the gun on his sock. He gives him a gun anyway, which honestly, and then he's yelling at everybody when his agent gets shot. And it's like, you should be charged. Like, you should legit Honey, be you charged. Fucking created this scenario. I mean, Granted, there are uh, there was another There's a gun lot on of board. moving parts, but still, right. it's like you definitely aren't in a position to play the blame game with anybody. And then he's right. like, "You're right; those animals are the sky." And it's like, "Well, we know that they're we know that they're convicts. This wasn't a secret. Right. Like we knew <laughs> that this was a possibility. Your agent was wilding out and got got. And it's like, <laughs> if he trained under you, <laughs> if he trained under." You you got more to answer answer for than, yeah, than absolutely. what we originally thought because honestly the moves he makes the choices all the choices with that undercover agent are unfathomable and this is coming from a person who does not work in law enforcement at all not anymore not never not baby. after what happened and, I, and me, I can't I can't blame him you don't know don't get me wrapped up with those those people. Mm-mm. You've got your, you've got that that Blue Lives Matter flag up behind you right now. Our <laughs> listeners can't can't see it, but I know those are lines that there are lines that Jane won't cross. Um, not just picket lines. Um, <laughs> our resident scab, uh, but it's also um, you know, it's some other stuff. She's got a past. That's all I'll say about that. Um, but there's also I would like, never, I would never cross a picket line, and I do not have a Blue Lives Matter flag in my room. Just for the record not in your room but i can see it from this the living room it's behind you the door's open you can see it waving in um in the living room the window's open so in front, of, in front of our large window yeah uh, in this neighborhood oh my god in this, in this neighborhood my god i would get the my bricks, house eggs the bricks that would fly through that window um i love how 
I went to, I would get my house egged and you said bricks, which is like way more realistic than eggs. Like, what am I living in like a 1994 teen comedy? No, that's not even a teen comedy. That's like an episode of like Charlie Brown. Like nobody's egging you, girl. You're getting got. Um, And also nobody's wasting eggs in this economy. That's true. Them them shits are expensive. This gig economy? Try again, baby. With their, what people are doing for eggs outside the grocery store, I was I was shocked to see it. I really I, I collect my pearls and and, and you, you know. and you paid for the services. I'm sure. Uh, no, no, I did not. I know how to barter. Thank you very much. Nice try though. Um, just I gave a couple, uh, just a couple loose eggs. I was like, here, what you willing to do? What you willing to do for a couple of these these big whites, these extra larges? These big. What about the? Oh, <laughs> never mind. Oh my god. Okay. Um and then also so we have them landing in um we have them landing in Carson City. And then Chappelle's only job, one job, his job mm-hmm. is to get off the plane and take the transponder Yo. from this plane and place it on a smaller helicopter to throw them off. Um and effectively, you know, get them off of their trail once they realize that this plane has been hijacked. Um and he does that and then he gets caught up talking and flirting with some woman who's supposed to be guarding the helicopter that he snuck this transponder onto. And then his ass gets left because everything <laughs> falls apart when one of the guards who has been taken hostage with them thinking that he is a prisoner, he fakes a heart attack. And when he does, they realize what's going on. Also, they place. Oh, yes. They all they realize that he's the um, they realize that he's the he's actually a prison guard. And when that happens, it throws everything off. And then everybody gets shot up on the on the um, on the runway. Basically, yep, anybody who's not. Sh- Everybody, anybody who's not on the plane gets shot up. They get on the plane. Chappelle does not make it. <laughs> he runs alongside of the plane, which I thought, it, you dumbass. It appears Fine. that he falls. How does he die? I can't. He gets sucked up into is the that what wheel. It is? He gets sucked up. Okay, landing so he gets, gear goes up or something. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, because yeah. it looks it looks like he falls, but we find out later when they're having issues with the landing gear closing and Poe. Um, and Ving Rams character, they go down to try and figure out what's going on, and then they realize that it's Chappelle's body that mm-hmm. has been wedged, that's keeping the will from um completely sort of like um I guess ascending into the the belly of the plane. And also in this moment, Poe realizes that he has an opportunity because as we've explained many times, Poe's the good guy on the plane. The only mm-hmm. reason Poe's on this plane is to get home to his little girl Casey. So <laughs> which he tells Anybody who asks. Everybody. So (laughs) he ends up using this opportunity. Somehow he gets his hand on a marker, a permanent marker. And he ends up using this opportunity before they let, before they release Chappelle's body on the plane, they write a, he writes a message on the plane for um, Agent Larkin to let him know where they're headed. Um, To sort of like get, you know, get in front of the fact that like they're going to be, if they're following the transponder, they're going to be going in the wrong direction, basically. So they release the body. And then we have this scene in this, (laughs) in the ideal bedroom community of Fresno where these people are at an intersection and then right as they get ready to sort of pull out into the intersection uh, on the green light, Dave Chappelle's body slams from the sky into their car. Um, <laughs> it's a wild scene. It causes a huge collision. Uh, but somehow, somebody somebody catches wind of this message on the shirt and uh, Larkin's made aware of the fact that like, you know, old, um, 
Oh, uh, Colmini the and the crew. Thing. They're headed to the wrong place. Because at this point, Colmini's, he's upset that his agent's dead. And he's like, shoot the plane down. And it's he, like. The thing about, like, Agent Duncan is that he just does whatever the fuck he wants and whatever he thinks is right. When he receives, when they have new information to act on, he just hangs up the phone on Larkin all the time. And it's like. like what like don't you want this to go well like don't you want to catch them once he decides that it's about getting back at them for what happened to his agent who he put in harm's way then it's like all bets are off and i'm sure that's pretty much like real life so absolutely but this they (laughs) poe writes on dave Chappelle's um dead body slash his t-shirt on his dead body this dummy is so funny i do it like it, it's like a comical version of a dead dave Chappelle, yeah, and i was wild. like i hope that dave Chappelle has that in his house somewhere like in the basement it's like scary whatever it's like he needs to have that it's incredible but also <laughs> they throw his body down with this message on the shirt and it's so hard for me to believe that a the people in the car survive so they live through the body His crashing on the car slamming into the car from the sky <laughs> and it's like if you're up like thirty five thousand feet tarot's like that body would be liquefied you would not be able to read the fucking shirt but apparently well, that's the other thing because he just writes it on his the white t-shirt that he's wearing he just writes this message and somehow through it's like, like i don't even know if that body honestly because the body slams into the car i don't know if that body I don't know how this works. I mean, I guess people do skydive, but not not at these heights. But it's like well, I don't know if you, that body would have been whole when it made it to the ground with a parachute. As you go down, your that's body you don't, yeah, picks up you don't, speed. You don't slam. <laughs> no, you slam into cars. You slow yourself, but like you're as you fall down, like your body like picks up more speed. You know, it's a, so it's, it's a like, doozy. It's going to, like the, he would be blood and guts and nothing else. I just can't imagine that, that was the name worked. of your first album, wasn't it, Jane? Blood and guts, nothing else. Yeah, it was. When you were in your um, for your lack emo of pop. a better word, very very raw. It was and when you were in your emo pop era. I remember not, that. And I'm not going to apologize for the things that I said about you or about anybody else on that album. You called me beautiful, and you called me. I and I quote: "I think a a beautiful disaster is what you refer to me as." Uh huh. Uh-huh. I got it. I got it. That was that was when you were in your flat iron phase too, where you're you couldn't go anywhere without a bang <laughs> that swooped over. I remember of when Fall Out Boy sued you um, mm-hmm. for coming after their whole gig. Well, I'm actually still not allowed to talk about it. Believe it or not. <laughs> I believe it. I believe um, it. You were really. But toxic there will person. be a time when I am able to tell my side of the story. Do you have to? And- <laughs> I mean, they're gonna be chomping at the bit for that one. A chomping at the bit, second mm. album. Um, and also <laughs> we get this moment in that's completely unnecessary where mm-hmm. we have Casey and we have Trisha, who is played by, as we mentioned earlier, the incomparable Monica Potter, who is mm-hmm. used to a T in this film. Mm. Um, as we also mentioned, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's a very dynamic role. It's very complex. And she get um, you. It's you really understand who she is at the core of of herself, and it's it's such a journey with her, and we're so grateful for it. 
It really is. The closest thing I could think of what she does in mm-hmm. this movie. If you have you seen Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady, it's something like mm-hmm. that, but American. Mm-hmm. It's like the American mm-hmm. version. So she's waiting <laughs> for Cameron to land in this plane. Um, and then the, the and then Agent Larkin realizes that Cameron's wife is there. And he's got this whole theory based on nothing that Cameron Poe must be a good guy. Because <laughs> why is he still on the plane? Why didn't he get off the plane? Like, like right. you know that he had a choice. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, like you have intel about like anything going on on this plane. But then yeah. he goes and he finds her, and they fly her to like to wherever they are. Like I, I don't. I, I didn't understand where they. It took doesn't her. make sense. They fly her to like where they are. They like they. It's like and it. The conversation that they have is a conversation that could have been a phone call. Yep. And. It's they flew her like they went and they found her and they're like, we're going to fly to this location to ask you two questions about your husband. And also and then, the- like you don't know where her husband is going to end up. So like, how do you know to fly her where they are? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you have no idea where this plane is going. Like, don't you think yes. if he like, are they trying to bring them together? Like, why are they flying her anywhere? I, I It's like they're trying to find out about Cameron, but it's also like she's not going to be able to give you information about what's going on on this plane or like Cameron's relationship to anyone. It just, Mm-mm. it doesn't make sense. And it could have been Mm-mm. a phone call. It was a waste of resources. 100%. And, <laughs> and she doesn't know what's going on either. She's just giving big eyes and like, I hate how throughout the movie, like he calls her my hummingbird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unnecessary. At like one point he's like talking to Larkin and he's like, you talk to my wife again, you tell her I love her. She's my hummingbird. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. Like, whatever. It I makes no sense. That. And also, we mentioned Santino earlier. They get to this, the whole thing is we're going to get this plane to this other location. Mm-hmm. And then when we get the plane there, there's going to be another plane waiting on us. And when they get there, which is like, it's a long scene, there's a lot going on at this locale. But when they get there, this is where we find <laughs> out that, like, Centino's plan was basically for his friends to pick him up, not for him. And and also you see the plane and you realize, which, which I was thinking anyway, because I was thinking there's so many inmates on this plane. Was that the original plan or what did he just see the opportunity and take it and say, let's fucking go because they oh. crash, they crash upon landing into this like learner airspace or airport or whatever. It's just like an abandoned fucking like dust pile um and they have to like work to like pull the plane out i don't understand why they're pulling the plane out if they're ultimately abandoning it i thought they were pulling the plane out because they realized that there wasn't another plane coming for them and then they realized that they were gonna have to get on this plane again that's what i thought it was but it's unclear but they're supposed to be landing here centino was supposed to have this connection who is going to who is going to then pick them up but it's also like the plane that this guy is I, i think this is the connection because Centino clearly has a relationship with this pilot when he gets on right. the plane. They're speaking mm-hmm. to each other. So there's clearly a relationship. I think this is the plane, but also this plane could have never held all of these men. There are so many men. No, and there's like two seats on this plane. Which we don't talk about, but it's like clearly Cyrus's plan was for maybe him and like a couple other people to make it out of this thing. Like there is no way that like they didn't it, that shit. No, and it's also like, how would that have even happened? How would they have gotten tens of people onto a plane unless it was another plane around the same size as the Con Air plane? It like, it just makes no sense. And this whole idea of we're going to land and then everybody's going to transfer to this other plane is just really wild. Also, you don't want to be traveling with all these inmates anyway. You need to get <laughs> no, rid of some like of this huge, weight. 
fucking target on your back which is actually like makes sense that like what's his name Santino or whatever like yeah he's plans to to abandon them although not very nice thing but like I get it there's also the moment during this during well we get a couple of really um we get a couple of really great lines in this sequence we get this Mm -hmm. we get first of all the meeting of two titans we get Cusack and Cage Mm -hmm. facing off they've talked uh briefly I think at this point um, have they talked at this point via radio? I think maybe uh, via radio. I think maybe I think via like radio they really talk quickly. briefly, but this is their like face off because Cusack got that message from him, so he ended up here. He's been hiding, and then like Cage stumbles upon him, and they're holding guns on each other, and then the agent uh, Larkin, played by Cusack, he's holding his gun, and he's like Cameron, Cameron Poe, like I think you're a good guy, like uh, I, you, I'm gonna put my weapon down, and then he puts his weapon down, and Cameron Poe keeps his keeps his gun locked on him, and then he says, well, don't you? trust me and then cameron poe says there's only two men there's only two men i trust one of them's me and the other's not you uh classic dialogue and then we also get a moment as cameron once he hears the hullabaloo and realizes he needs to get back to the troops he said um larkin says i talked to your wife and cameron responds in person and i don't know why that was so funny to me because it just it just felt so inconsequential it's like why does it matter You don't want to know what she said. You'd rather know about like location. Like, <laughs> right. no, like, we flew her out for no fucking reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like a 1997 example of this meeting could have been an email. It's like, this yeah. could have been a fucking phone call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or in 1997, this could have been a pager. This could have been a beep, a beeper. Um, and also there's a moment when he's, when he leaves where um, Larkin says, as he's running back to the group, now knowing that like he's got you know some of the fed feds on his side whatever but but larkin says to him as he's walking out of the little like garage area where they are larkin says what are you gonna do and then cameron says what do you think i'm gonna do i'm gonna save the fucking day <laughs> um and there's so good and there's also this moment this moment where this older like this older man who i think runs this sort of larkin airfield or whatever you know and probably sees two people a day um it's in the (laughs) middle of nowhere there's a moment where it's like just a dust bowl it's just a dust bowl and this older gentleman is under a truck hiding from when everybody got here and cameron slides under the truck to hide not realizing mm-hmm. that this old man's there and they see each other and the guy's sort of freaking out and then cameron calms him down and is like oh you're fine just and he says to him as he's leaving he says just stay here just stay under here and don't panic and then the guy says that's easy for you to say i gotta piss and then i thought it would be funny if he had said i was like what if he didn't have to piss what if he had to poop and what if instead s- he did you think the same thing i I said the exact same thing, 100%, but please can go And ahead. then I thought it'd be funnier if he had said, easy for you to say, you aren't sitting on a heap of man mud. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, that's, I, that's definitely funnier. I said in the moment, he should have said poop. Poop is always funnier. And it's true. It exactly. Is. And you took it to the next level. And I always, I will always maintain jokes about, because this was like a quote comic relief moment in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it's, I was supposed to say it's a family movie, but like, <laughs> you know, what no. world? It's a movie about like convicted murders and rapists. <laughs> like, 
it is I'm like and like thousands of explosions and so much death and I'm like oh it's a family movie you can't make a joke about poop but I have disproved myself or if he had said like easy easy for you to say you aren't brewing your own hot brown and your britches (laughs) your own hot brown all these would have been really solid. All of I, these would have been great. I wish I had gotten to play the old man and they were just like, just give us something different every time. Cause I would have like, I would have just been throwing them out. Um, I mean, apparently Dave Chappelle, like, um, he improvised most of his lines too for this movie. Yeah, he's he was gone really fast in this movie though. I didn't realize yeah. how quickly he disappears. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. So and also we have like this inmate who is who's been sniffing around Cameron as well this whole movie, and like he's not buying the whole story about Cameron only have 15 years, and he confronts him on the plane. He's like, You said you only have 15 years. It's like, how did you hear that? In everything that was going on on this plane, in all of the hullabaloo, you mm-hmm. heard me make an offhanded comment to like Cyrus the virus about only having 15 years, and you in spite of everything that's going still on having 15 years left yes yeah, still having 15 years and all the moving parts like yeah. you have been sitting over here brewing on this it's like who gives a <laughs> shit we're all just trying to survive right. and i don't know what the reason would be for thinking that an inmate on the plane like is lying about their prison sentence like what that what the implications of that are but i did think it was funny that they created this unnecessary storyline where this guy's like you said you had 15 years but i was where i was in the block i was in in prison that's where everybody who had more than 15 years was. And I ain't never seen you before. It's like, okay. And like, um, ultimately he exposes him because he finds his stuff downstairs in the cargo part of the plane, but he doesn't expose him to everybody else. He just is like threatens to expose him. And then Cameron kills him. And so in self-defense, once again, in in self-defense, once again, self-defense, Cameron doesn't kill unless what he has to. to do. He did what he had to do. Cameron okay. Poe is a good man. Cameron Poe. Cameron <laughs> Poe's a good man. He would never hurt nobody or nothing. Jane, you auditioned for Trisha, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Um, and they said, uh, you're 12 years old, please. You're too leave. old, is what they said. <laughs> do you want me to I'll give you the I'll give you an inline and do you want to give me like a little taste of what you pro- what you would have given? Like had you sure. had the chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Now, I'm sorry to ask you this, Mrs. Poe, but I know your husband's body is literally a lethal weapon. Why are we to believe that your husband would be on the side of the good guys? He's a convicted murderer. He's, in fact, a bad guy, right? Don't you, Mr. Larkin. Don't you fucking dare. I lost eight years of my life. Waiting for that man, and he's a good man. He's taking care of us from the inside out. He was defending my honor on that day, and it was the biggest mistake of his goddamn life. Sure, he's not perfect. He leaves the toilet seat up every once in a while. You know, he's burned the popcorn once or twice. But he ain't never killed unless he had to. So don't you sit here and question his integrity with me. My baby's coming home today. And I'm having him. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I can't. 
can't tell you how much I hated that last line. It, felt, it was violent. I hated. I you hated. Pain was violent. She's waited eight ugh. years. She's I waited hated, eight years I'm, for him. I'm having him. I ugh. don't even. I don't even know what that means in this context. Oh, I thought you meant like sex. I thought you meant sexually. Oh, I just meant like. He's a good guy. I'm having. He's getting off that plane. I'm having him home with me. Oh, but, I thought you meant like you're gonna have him. Like, like well, I'm, I think you're probably, like probably. I think that's on the like table. Like her loins are just like raging. Also, <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, sure. He leaves a toilet seat up. Sure, I found a little peekaboo hot brown from time to time in his britches. <laughs> you're always trying to bring a hot brown into the conversation. <laughs> sure, I'm well acquainted with that man mound he rustles up from time to time when he eats nachos. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was actually quite excellent, Jane. And, Thank um, you. Thank you. I think you may have a Cable Ace Award coming your way if you play Whoa. your cards right. And if you if you play the game, if you do mm-hmm. the circuits, if you... Mm-hmm. If you know, you know, if you show up at the right events and if you send flowers you to the know, right people. I'll show up to the opening of an envelope. You know I will for a little publicity. I do. Mm-hmm. I, do. I do know that. Mm-hmm. I know that you have little to no sort of like moral mm-hmm. compass. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I always remember that about you. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say moral compass? I did. Oh, um, okay. I don't know how that comes into play, but <laughs> just <laughs> a girl who loves a party, but... <laughs> Is that what okay. they're calling it these days? Um, mm. Jane, also, <laughs> we didn't mention this, and we don't really need to mention it now, but I've never seen 90 Day Fiance, but I did want to say that Jane oh my has, God. We've been watching 90 Day Fiance, <laughs> The Single Life, um, and uh, it's a wild, it's a wild ride. It's so... Okay, so for those of you who are not well versed in the 90 day universe i I will say i am not either and you don't really have to be to join (laughs) this train wreck when i tell you you can jump in wherever the fuck you want because they tell you everything you need to know it's not it's not rocket science it's not walking in the middle you know it's not episode four season two of white lotus this is absolutely the opposite of a thinker as one can imagine but there are thousands of 90 day fiance spinoffs and one of our favorites recently is 90 Day the Single Life. So this is people who have been on 90 Day Fiance. The marriage, for whatever reason, didn't work out. And they are in the dating pool again. And Brandon and I have been doing some work. Um, what's Are we watching season one? What season are we watching? I think we're watching season one. Jane's, okay. uh, Jane's favorite uh, character is Big Ed. <laughs> everybody's, favorite fa- everybody's favorite characters. Everybody's favorite character is Big Ed. <laughs> and um, when I tell you, <laughs> he upsets me on every level. <laughs> um, he's a wild, wild one. He's a wild boy. I don't understand why this man feels that he needs to date <laughs> girls in their twenties, half his age. <laughs> like I that's just the beginning of it. If you are if you want to talk 90 day fiance, DM us because I will talk about it until the fucking cows come home. But we want you to know that we're watching other like other things as well that are very generative and like thought provoking. Yes. So it's not just it's not just the movies of the week with you all, but like right. we're, we're doing we're doing other work and by we're doing the work, we're learning, we're consuming media that helps us grow and i'm proud of us for doing it 
You know, I don't think you could have given that kind of reading that performance. If you gave that performance at your original Con Air audition, I don't see how Monica Potter would have had a chance. I don't either. But I was twelve, and she was sort of the right age. So you keep saying you keep saying you're twelve, which makes it seem like you're older. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So also the really funny scene when they're leaving. So Sandino ends up getting on the plane as all this craziness is happening. The cops are about to sort of like find them. He ends up running. He finds the plane. He gets on it. He tells his boy, who's the pilot, to just take off. Fuck everybody. <laughs> He's and, like, we're going. <laughs> and the plane ends up crashing. And then like it's that moment where. He has to sort of face all the inmates as the plane's crashing and he climbs out of the plane and he's like, Oh hey y'all, I was looking for y'all. <laughs> he's like he literally goes like, Oh, it's just coming for you guys. You guys here? And it's like, like that engine man. had revved and it had accelerated. <laughs> we had taken off. Um and so he's covered in oil because he's covered in gas because the plane crashes um into like a gas pump. And uh our boy Cyrus Cyrus the virus takes the cigarette out of um, the mouth of the person who's standing next to him and throws it, and he is lit aflame because it's no rest for the wicked, baby. And yeah, he's murdered. He's incinerated. And, and it's a huge explosion. You get that very satisfying. And many times in this movie, oof, you get that very satisfying. Okay. Well, get, let me finish my sentence, baby boy, oh. before you fucking freak out on me. God damn it. <laughs> He's you, nodding like he's no, nodding. You were like saying a, satisfying. <laughs> Go ahead and spin it. You get that satisfying '90s action um, scene that you always want, where it's a bunch of people running away or jumping away from a big fiery explosion. You know, that's like what you sign up for, and you get that many times throughout this movie. I thought you were going to say you get the satisfying like sight of seeing a person incinerated. I know uh, that's why you thought what I was going to say because you wouldn't let me finish my sentence. I, it's kind of, it seems like, like you. you pivoted. It seems like you pivoted mid sentence because you knew that everybody was going to finally realize what a jackal you are. <laughs> a jackal or a jackal? A jackal. Okay. <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah. Sorry, don't ever come for me. Don't ever. I'm not hilarious. You're not going to catch me in any word boo boo. Okay. <laughs> so just chill out. Okay. You go write your cookbook. Get that brisket paella recipe cooking. How about that? Before somebody steals mm. it. <laughs> Knowing that I could literally Google it and it's a thing. Um, I'm sure it's fully <laughs> I'm sure a it's thing. A thing. <laughs> if it's not the trademark. A trademark, copyright, trademark, copyright. Ours, You're like ours, you ours. two and your list of trademarks, you've done nothing with. Nothing about it. doesn't matter. They're ours. That's a thing. They're ours. Okay. Um, and we don't then have at, to do shit. It can sit on a you. shelf for years. We don't owe you any fucking it's material. ice. Okay. It's, you don't know. That's the thing. You don't know what's cooking behind the scenes, do you, people? Absolutely, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Those burners are always going over here. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> they over. Sometimes they overflow. Um, <laughs> My cup, it do. <laughs> And so then we have them flying out. We have them getting back on the same plane they got on. So stop was for nothing. And they head out. And now everything's in high gear. And people are just getting shot left and right. Um, we find out because they're trying to figure out who tipped off the agents about where they were going to be. And they're about to blame Poe. And then Baby O steps forward ends up getting shot. Mm-hmm. But somehow, even given the fact that he was literally on the verge of death before, <laughs> he survives. So there's no rhyme or reason. Um, there's no rhyme or reason, and it's just chaos. the 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 plane is running out of gas, and so they're all freaking out. And it ends up having to like they're gonna land on the fucking Las Vegas Strip. And at one point, um, someone fires a gun at uh Nicholas Cage, 
and it hits him in the arm and he doesn't even flinch. He just keeps walking and it is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. And then also later in the movie, he's like doing many, many things that a person who just got shot in the arm should not be able to do. It's a wild one. It is It is a wild one. It's a wild series of events. And we have him and Cyrus the Virus facing off multiple times. And we they land. They land. Mm-hmm. This they plane land! On the Las Vegas Strip. On okay? the Las Vegas Strip. In, like, inside a casino, basically. Inside of a casino. And it was a casino that was actually in the process of, like, it was going to be demolitioned. Demoed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were able to use the fact that but when they found out it was gonna be demoed ultimately, then they were like, Hey, we we got another way we want you to do we got another they were like, idea. Say less, we'll demo it for you. Yeah, and we'll, we'll demo it with our it. big plane. Mm-hmm. And uh it was the Sands Casino, that's right. Thank you. Our producer Dave came in coming mm-hmm. in with the facts. Um it was and yeah, and so that's where the big scene happens. And it's a bunch of people who don't die who you think you're gonna die, and then you realize that certain people are dead. That you didn't know mm-hmm. were dead. So it's a lot happening in this scene. And there also, there's a scene where I believe it's Larkin is walking around doing like a head count. And it's like, we are beyond head counts, baby. Like, At this point. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's no keeping tabs on anybody. We don't know who was lost in the sky. We don't know no. what bodies fell out of the plane mid because the back of the plane never closes again. Like, they're this all is- on the plane and the back of the plane <laughs> is just open. So it's like, people, we're just losing people in the air. This is like, what we call in the business a wash. This is a full blown wash. And me seeing him do that. Do that head count. It's the head count that your teachers did when you went on the trip to old Williamsburg. And she hopped up right before we got off the, off the bus. And she's like, okay, one, two. That's what he's doing. It's like, yeah. we're beyond that. The, the carnage, the carnage that the has carnage. happened. That little finger of yours, that little that notepad that you're taking notes on, baby. We, we, it's all over. People, it does, it, that's not enough. That's not Sandino, enough. Sandino was incinerated um, at the airfield. <laughs> Baby, you're not gonna find him among among the ranks. We lost him. Four people just fell out of the plane when it was taken off. Once it had ascended high enough, we got. And I don't know if you figured out that Pinball's body was what landed on those on those good white people in Fresno. <laughs> you know who is in this movie who we have not mentioned one time nor talked about, and is like an icon. Steve Dan- Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. He plays Garland he- Green. He plays Garland Green, who's a notorious serial killer. They pick him up on the plane at the first stop at Carson City when they it's still don't Hannibal. know. Yeah, it's giving full on Hannibal. Like they still, they still don't know. Not that- Burris, by the way. No, 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 like Lecter. And he's got like the face mask on and he's like, like rolled in on like a dolly and is like totally fucking like just, uh, you know, uh, chained to the nines. But he is great in this movie is being a total creep. He does a lot of great like one liners too. really good one liners. I just wanted to mention him because like he's such a we're about to like talk about the end of this movie and we and he I think doesn't make it. But I don't remember if his character yeah, he makes it. What are you saying? He's literally the last oh, frame of the movie. Yeah, is, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. No, he's one of the people who, when they're trying to do their head count, it's also like <laughs> you can't do a head count also because some of these bodies are just in pieces. Mm-hmm. Also, this plane dramatically, this plane was open on the back and it dramatically landed on the Las Vegas Strip. Everyone like, should everybody's be dead. Everybody's dead. Everyone should be dead. Everybody's then- dead, baby. And then Cyrus and um, the the like uh, diamond. Uh, 
diamonds get on like the um on a fire truck on a fire truck they steal it and they don't steal it it seems like somebody's driving it right oh no you're I, right uh, oh my god you're right it was uh mg Ganey is like yes. driving the fire truck yeah yeah, yeah. the guy who was pi- the convict who ended up piling piloting the plane mc Ganey. i'm sorry mc Ganey is driving the he's driving the fire truck uh-huh. he was the one who replaced the pilot on the plane early when he started acting a little squirrely and he <laughs> is so now mc's driving the fire truck because he can do everything he's yeah. all any vehicle okay. he's like he's i'm here fully licensed that that guy it's also like where y'all think y'all going well, like, I mean, honestly, and then also it's like, if I was Nick Cage, I'd be like, you know what? I've done my, du- I've done my duty. I'm, you know what? You can go find them, but that's not what he does. He hops on a fucking police m- motorcycle right alongside, um, Vince Larkin and they like ride their motorcycles together to like take down this fucking fire. They truck. look at each other and give each other a knowing look. Okay, yeah. he says, and he says in this look, he says, you're a free man now, Cameron. We got you. Yeah. We got you to L.A. Mm-hmm. But before you see your baby girl, even though that was the most important thing in the world to you, let's do to a Vegas. really dangerous. But he, but the whole thing is that once Cyrus realizes that Cameron um, has been working for the for the cops, he says to him, like, basically, I'm going to hunt down your little girl. The last thing your little girl is going is going to feel is my breath is what he says to yeah. Um, to Cameron and in that moment Cameron says you might as well sign your death certificate girl it's not on my motherfucking watch cause I told you I, 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 I don't know if you've heard but I do fucking kill cause I'm in here for manslaughter baby and when it's on the right side of the law I kill he says you if you may be the virus but I'm the motherfucking blue, bubonic plague let's go <laughs> and so he, him and Cusack look at each other and they give each other a head nod and they take off and they get all they finally get to the fire truck and Cameron Poe uh, is, is able to like repel himself from the back of the motorcycle to the um to the um to ladder, the ladder that is hanging off the back of the fire truck and then he and holds he hangs himself on he the hangs ladder. on it with one arm and like somehow Cyrus the virus has got what looks like you a guys, spear of some sort I want to remind you that he's been fucking he was shot, in, shot the in the arm. He, should he was not shot in the arm. He has this like wooden spear that he is sort of stabbing down in the um, the space between the ladder. And he's trying to stab at uh, Cameron and Cameron ends up grabbing it. And when he breaks it, a piece of it gets stabbed into Malkovich's ankle. <laughs> It stabbed um, through his ankle to the other side, which I'm like, I, that is so unbelievable to me because I feel like he's hanging on to this fucking thing with his good arm. He's not going to have the strength with his arm that he's been shot in to stab him through his entire ankle. I'm sorry. It, couldn't happen. Would it be fair to say that this wooden spear is John Malkovich's Achilles heel? <laughs> I mean, it's about to be. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's stabbed right through that bad boy, and yep. then, um, yeah, and then John Malkovich has one of the wildest deaths like ever. And like while oh. this is going on, John Cusack gets like the hose from the side of the fire truck, and he sticks it down into the driving compartment of the fire truck. So MC Ganey is literally drowning while driving this fire truck, and then they lift 
because John Malkovich is stuck inside of this ladder. They lift the ladder up and then they're passing this like sort of like catwalk overhang area that's mm-hmm. sort of like the link it's between a, two it's buildings. It's overpass between two it's buildings. It's an overpass. And so mm-hmm. John Malkovich slams into the overpass. He flies through. He is covered in the water. He then falls on a series of electrical cords and he's electrocuted and he's still kicking. Somehow. He's still moving. Still moving. And then what does he even die? What is this contraption then, that he dies and in? And then he all of a sudden, I don't know what this is called. This is some mechanical thing that smashes things. Like, I would assume it smashes, like, car parts or something. But all of a sudden, his his head gets placed perfectly underneath this thing. And they smash his skull to bits, which is a violent fucking death. <laughs> And then the 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 fire truck explodes somehow. I don't even know how. And Nick Cage, Cameron Poe is thrown aggressively from the exploding fire truck. And he- I want to say this really quick. Okay, so what it is? So they say. So it's like a so it's a model of a machine. I think that like it that it it has like the, it's a static model of a machine and it ends up falling on him i'm sorry i was just trying to make sure i got it it seems like but it, it seems to be going up and down doesn't it yeah repeatedly it so like it's, it's not going... like it it's not like it falls on him it's like intentionally smashing things and he gets caught underneath it hold on one second it's what was that press. it's a press it's a press yeah it's yeah. a press and so that ends up smashing into his skull and so finally Finally, he, he is, fucking he's dies. Dead. And also, like, the, and then, the, the um, by the way, when Cameron hops off of his motorcycle, his motorcycle then effectively kills Diamond Dog, and it, like, slams into Ving Rhames, and then he's dead. So, right. And then at on some the menu point, for the everybody. F- more, everybody's fucking dying, except for Cameron Poe, who is involved in a huge fire truck explosion and he's thrown for the fire truck and like just like you see him falling from the truck and it looks like okay well that's that's going to if it doesn't kill him he will be like he will break every single bone in his body no 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 no, no, he just does a quick tumble and he's up on the up on those feet right back in front of his family all over again i think it's i think it may be the lace front that saves him because i think it changes (laughs) the aerodynamics and i think that it probably effectively it acts like some sort of like a gliding device probably like a wing in a way when he's going through the air mm. and it probably makes his falls and his tumbles more gentle because he is he barely got a scratch on him you're right and um you're right and he he makes it back to a monica a, a nonplussed uh monica potter <laughs> um she is she's uh I, I don't know what what's the word she's glib i'd say glib like she's crying She's crying. She's she kind of say crying. Anything. She seems also she like scared t- of him. She has tears. Well, quite rightly, he yeah. is just reco- he's just walking back from an explosion where he killed multiple people. Um, his poor daughter Casey is there. He has never met her before. He's covered in dirt and blood and filth, and his arm is shot up, and he doesn't even really hug his wife there's a lot of trepidation you know what what? glib isn't the right glib isn't the right word i think the word that i'm looking for is like like lusterless like like lusterless okay there's nothing there's just 
she's yeah there's nothing there she's just sort of like like the world is just happening to her and <laughs> he hugs his daughter oh and by the way that bunny that he had it it, it makes the journey and it actually almost <laughs> um goes down into the sewers of las vegas but don't worry cameron retrieves the dookie covered bunny and he brings it over to his little girl, and it has to still be wet. It has to because literal oh, minutes have gone by. It's filthy. It has it's to been be handled by everybody. with the stew <laughs> and the man mud of the citizens of Las Vegas. And this is neither here nor there to Cameron because he told her he was going to bring it to her, and even if it comes with, you know, a, a couple of parasites, so be it. It's for his little mm-hmm. girl, and she takes it from him, and she doesn't he recoil says, or vomit. He. He walks up and he goes, I got a present for you, Casey. It's a little dirty. <laughs> and it's like, it no, it's, it's covered like, this in. This is your. No, it's covered in Sin City Sick, is what it's covered in. <laughs> it's covered in the upchuck of anybody who was at this casino and threw up in that gutter tonight. It is. What a terrifying, what a terrifying way to meet your dad. What a terrifying and way. He hands it to her and he just says, Make what you want of this mess. It's your own <laughs> little memory of the city. Dookie and all. And she takes it. And, and she takes it and they're gonna start rebuilding. And then you hear you hear the dulcet tones of Trisha Yearwood. Hmm. How do I? And we get the song. And you get the song, but then you also get the final shot, which, which is, is Garland Steve Green, Buscemi, Garland Green, blending in at with the, the public table. And I would, I will say, he's rehabilitated. I think I he's, can make that call. Um, yeah, I think you definitely make that call for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, and that is Conair. That is Conair Convict Airlines, as as they say. Um, so Brandon, I've a couple of questions that we've reached the end of this. You get literally two questions. So okay, just use them okay. wisely. That's it. God, That's all I'll say I don't about even that. know where the fuck to start. Okay. I don't think I've ever been this nervous. Okay. Um, would you watch this movie again? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a fucking great movie. It's so um, fun. It's so fun. So ridiculous. I'm so glad to hear that. And then my second question is, do you have a movie for me to watch next week? I do. I've actually, I've had two movies that I've been going back and forth between all day. Um, Are you making a game time decision? I am. Mm. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with this movie because I think it makes sense. It's going to keep us on this train for another week but you know what that's okay because we haven't done a a lot lot of nick nikki cage on this podcast so Ooh, i'm comfortable I love, with it i love it we are going to be watching the 2006 thriller the wicker man <gasps> Ooh, does that take place in chicago no okay i was thinking like wicker park okay Maybe yeah no okay <laughs> Just a question. Just, I haven't seen. I haven't seen it. <laughs> just a word. All just a word. That's all it took, huh? But what? what that's are, like that's like me being like The Shining, and you going to take this in Chicago because it's shy in the front of it. No, <laughs> no, that's not true. Wicker and Wicker Park. Come on, that's more of a connection than The Shy and The Shining. No, that's true. You are right. Yeah, it takes Thank place you. in Chicago, so we got that settled. 
<laughs> well, thank you all. Thank you, Brandon, for talking about Con Air with me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for listening all the way through. We hope you made it. We love you. We're fucking obsessed with you. And if you want to be obsessed with us too, we'd love we'd love that for you. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook um, at Movies We Missed, and we can be obsessed with each other and all throughout the week. Um, we appreciate you guys. We love you. And we will see you next week for Wicker Man. Bye. He would be blood and guts and nothing else.